I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy 1, verse 10 through 14 in the NIV. 2 Timothy 1, 10 through 14 in the New International Version, the NIV. And I just want you to follow with me today. And he says, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Who has destroyed death. It's not going to be destroyed. It has been destroyed. He controls it. He has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Before Jesus Christ, people when they were dead, they fell asleep. And they stayed asleep. That's just fact. After Jesus Christ... Even though they were dead, yet shall they live. Are y'all with me now? That's how powerful Jesus Christ is and was. Even though they were dead, yet they live. He even went down into the, to the abyss and preached. Jesus did. He spoke to those in the nether regions and let them know of his goodness. Has brought to life immortality to light through the gospel. In verse 11, and of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. This is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed. Everybody say that with me, yet I am not ashamed. Because I know in whom I have believed, I know who I have faith in. I know in whom I believe and I am convinced. That he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him for that day. What day? The day that we shall see him. He said in verse 13, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Jesus Christ. A lot of people aren't preaching this anymore. There's no love in Jesus Christ anymore. They're telling you how how wrong everything is, but I'm going to tell you how right everything is. I didn't say that in my preambulatory remarks, I didn't say what I said to be a downer. I said it to caution you. I mean, if Ricky is over here, he's got a roofing company. If you're on the roof with him and he says, be careful on that slope, it's slippery, you'll fall. And you just act like he did, you didn't hear him. I'm going to tell you, if you break that law, you're going to fall off that roof. And we don't do it because of we despise you. If I don't want you hurt, it's because of love. But watch this verse 14. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Mary, whatever you've heard. Linda, whatever you've heard. Randy, whatever you've heard. Guard it. Because the enemy's trying to steal what has been deposited in your account. And you can't let the devil get into your spiritual bank account. You cannot allow the enemy to take away what God has put in there. Now watch this. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Had a pastor ask me this week. A young pastor, young to me, you know. If you're in your 40s or 50s, you're pretty young to me. He asked me, have you ever been 
If you've ever been despondent or distressed or depressed, and I said, well, I don't know a pastor that hasn't been. And it's not that we're going to dwell in it. You have to come out of it because if you don't, you've allowed the enemy to steal from your deposit. We've all had those moments. How many in here can honestly say you've never been depressed? Cricket, cricket, cricket. You know why? Because you have been. Discouraged. And I'm here today to tell you to hell with it. That's where it needs to be. We need to put it there and keep it there. Because hell has taken our deposit. You say, well, why is that important? I'm going to cover it for a moment here with you. I said, yes, as long as you allow your mind to linger in what could be instead of what can be, you're going to be depressed. You can't allow your mind to dwell in it. The longer you sit and think on it, it's going to be harder for you to come out of it. You see, it's all a matter of perspective. All a matter of perspective, which is skewed by, by lack of proper focus. Without proper focus, these things are going to come on you and you won't know how to deal with it. And then people around you, your good deed dotties, that's what my mother used to call them, good deed dotties. They'll come and tell you how they can, you can overcome it and how you can do it and they themselves are walking in despair. But the truth of the matter is there's only one way to do it. You've got to get in proper focus. You have to realize something's been deposited in you, Sonia, that nobody can take away. Wife can't take it. Husband can't take it. Children can't take it. Oh, they can tamper it with it, but they can't take it. What are you saying? We need to believe in that which we've been entrusted with. We need to believe in it. How many of you have got a bank account or a savings account and you keep going to it and looking at it and saying, I don't believe I've got it in the bank. Now, come on now. If it's in the book, if they've printed it out for you, and you're saying it's not in there, then your mind is skewed. Because it is there. And that's the same thing in the Spirit. God has placed something in you, Randy, and God has said it's yours, and yet you're saying, not you, but they're concerned more with the myth than the reality. They say, you know what? I don't have it. Mike's got it but I don't have it. The truth of the matter is, if Mike has it, I've got it. And if I got it, you got it. The deposit is there. But how many people draw on it? Faith makes me draw it. We need this belief system structure in our lives, right or wrong. Faith brings to me joy. When everybody's against me, faith still brings peace and joy. When people say you can't make it, you can't do it, faith says, watch this. When the doctor says, it's over. You're about finished. You're about through. But God didn't say that. So faith brings me peace. Faith brings me joy. Faith brings me true happiness. It's not my children that bring me happiness. It's the God that gave me the children that brings me happiness. Am I making sense? Faith gives me completeness in Jesus Christ. Faith and belief helps me face my family crisis. 
And it's going to be there. How many of y'all had family crisis before? Faith says, I don't care what's happening. We shall overcome. Faith overcomes family crisis. Faith overcomes my civil disputes. It overcomes the anger that men project and causes me to ride on the storm that would devour me. I ride on the waves of the storm that would devour me. Faith, belief, proper perspective. Can I give you an illustration? Something you've heard since Sunday school. Peter gets out of the boat. Jesus, he says, bid me to come to you. I want to walk on the water just like you are. And Jesus says one little word, come. Peter gets out of the boat and starts to walk. But then he gets his perspective changed. He quits looking at the anchor and starts looking at the storm. And the more you look at the the storm, you're going to sink. You're going to get in more despair, more discouragement. And then the only friend you'll have is some intoxicating substance. And you think that'll help you. And it won't. That's temporary at best. Because you wake up the next morning, you're going to say, what did I do to myself? (laughs) The storm will devour you. Unless you have this faith structure, the belief system. That's why people are, are, are overdosing. What happened? They got out of the boat, started looking at the waves, and got their eyes off Jesus. I don't care how you put it. I've had friends, me, a man that stood on this stage back years ago and was part of my consecration, committed suicide. Why? He got despondent. He got in despair. He got discouraged. And he said, I just can't live anymore. And here I'm here to tell tell you, that's a lie of the devil. You say, that'll never happen to me. It'll never happen if you keep proper perspective. And you understand when you get out of the boat and you get in trouble, Tim, you start looking for Jesus and quit looking for waves. You know how I can say it is well with my soul? Because he's standing there. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. I make a lot of mistakes. I probably make a lot of y'all angry at times. But the truth of the matter is, we're all humans. The only thing that keeps us straight is the anchor. Jesus Christ. Well, Bishop, I tell you, I hope he comes back and really takes us out of this mess. I told this preacher last night, which was one of the leading voices in the nation. I said, listen to me. Jesus isn't coming back for this mess right now. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, he's coming back for a triumphant church. He said, well, I don't know about the triumphant church, but I'm triumphant. Uh, And I've just been listening to all his despair and all his discouragement. Ricky, now he's telling me how he's triumphant. I said, really? So Jesus is going to come back and you're the only one that's going to take flight. The truth of the matter is, the church needs to put on its big boy pants. And it needs to come alive. We need to shake ourselves. And when we get out of the boat, which many of us are, we better quit looking at the waves and start looking at the, the anchor, the lighthouse, Jesus Christ. 
This was not in my message today. I'm preaching to you out of my heart. You know why? Because there's somebody sitting here today that's saying, oh, my God, he's reading my mail. I am so discouraged. I'm ready to do this thing. But I refuse to lose another person in here because of the enemy. You are precious. You are valuable. And you've got a vault full of promises. I want you to live. I want you to rejoice. I want you to be happy and praise God. So faith helps me face these things. Believing, trusting in God is more than just a word. It helps me see past what is into what I desire. I look around it. You know how many times in my life they said, well, you're not going to make it. And I said, well, this is all about God. If he wants me to make it, you can't stop it. That's just the way I feel. If you want to know me under my personal life, and that's the way I feel. If, if God is still anointing me, and which I feel right now, I'm going to tell you, as long as he's with me, I will not fail. I will not fail. And as long as you walk under the same anointing of the Holy Spirit, you cannot fail. So what does it mean? If we don't have this structure of belief in place, you will have no hope. And no hope means no future. Now let me say this. Hope does not get you healed. Well, I want some hope. I'm going to give it to you simple. You have no faith, you'll have no hope. You have faith, you'll have hope. Hope doesn't come before faith. Faith comes before hope. <laughs> oh, well, I hope so. Now there you go again. No, I have faith that it shall be so. That's why I say, Pastor Kenny, it shall come to pass. Say this with me. By my stance in faith, which is to produce my intended result, in that which I desire, I will be successful. Now let me put it together for you. By my stance in faith, which is to produce my intended result, in that which I desire, I will be successful. It will come to pass. Now let me make it clear. The storms are always going to be with us. The waves are going to be huge. Bills are going to come. Pastor told me, he said, he said this to me. He said, you know, you don't understand what happened to me. He said, I thought I was, everything was fine. And he said, do you remember that? accountant that was working with me that I told you got me out of was showed me how to get out of certain things and problems we were having I said yeah was doing fabulous I said yes he said that same accountant made a $450,000 mistake and he said now I feel hopeless again I said so what you're telling me is money is your hope because you see Jesus is my hope because I have faith in Jesus, I can have hope. Money doesn't give me hope. Money may bring a few things in life. Look, can we just get real with one another? How many of y'all lost a car before? How many of you got another one? How many of you lost a place to live before? How many of you got another place? I mean, come on now. How many of y'all got sick? How many of y'all got well? How many of y'all are living? 
and not dying. I'm going to read to you what I read last week again, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2. You say, why are you going to read it to us again? Because you need it. And it shall come to pass. If you shall hearken, hearken, remember that word hearken. If you shall hearken diligently into the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do some of his commandments. Is that what it says? Which I have commanded you this day, which he gave some commands to the children of Israel. That the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you if you shall hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. God wanted to speak. He wanted the people to speak what they had heard. That's what he was saying to them. He wants you to rehearse the words of hope. Rehearse the words of faith. He wants you to rehearse the words of promise. And he wants you to write it down in your heart. I'm going to give you this and I'm going to close. I'll come back to this other part next week. The word hearken in the Hebrew means to hear intelligently. When he says hearken unto the Lord, hear intelligently. Hear intelligently. Give ear. And once you've done it, hearken means declare and proclaim. That means what you've heard, declare it. That's why I said to that person that said to me about the healing of the cancer, your time's coming, you're going to have to stand and tell people. I can't tell it for you. Oh, I can tell the people here, but, and they are, we rejoice with you, but it's your job to say, this is what has happened for me. I'm going to close on this note because I believe I've given you enough to chew on. Now, someone said to me, and I thought, you know, I, I try not to preach too far over your head, which I can, I can do that. But when somebody comes to me and says, I don't understand what you're talking about, which I've had that happen in the last couple of weeks, don't they hear it's all about Jesus? It's all about his love. It's all about holding that baby right there. It's all about God is helping you. He brought me out of despair. He brought me out of discouragement. Because I was under such mental torment. Mental torment, man. I was killing myself. Now my friends all were dealing with in a different way. They were doing drugs. And that numbed them. Now all of them are dead because of the drugs. But one day I had to come to the realization as I stood in our little old church over on D4 Avenue... I stood there by myself in the dark, and I said, God, we have to have a meeting because I can't do this no more. And God showed up. Now, let me ask you this. What if I'd let despair take me out? We wouldn't be hitting it in this place today. You may be in other places. You wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have all the other churches out there preaching. If you took all the people today that are preaching because of this church, you couldn't, you couldn't seat them in this house. So why are you being so transparent with us, Bishop? Because I want you to know if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. Because I knew Jesus. That's why I went to that pulpit in the dark of the sanctuary, that little bitty sanctuary. And I said, God, if you don't meet me, 
I'm in trouble. He met me. And many of us sitting here today, we've met him. But here's where we've come, our problem. We've allowed the devil's hand to steal some of our deposit. We've done it to ourselves. We let him reach right in and take it. And I say it's time to get the devil's hand out of your business.